0: How do you find a market bottom? Now, I am obviously not talking about the U.S. stock market right now.
1: Just so I'm clear, isn't it when the Charmin comes out? Like the toilet paper? Yeah. So that's how you find the
0: bottom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What? What? hands <laughs> This podcast contains the arguably witty banter of two friends, Skippy and Dougles, that like to debate about investing. The content is intended to be entertaining and for informational purposes only, not investment advice. You should do your own research and consult a financial professional before using any of the information in this podcast, and especially before investing. Time for some action, player.
1: Super Bowl week. Super Bowl um, week. As you hear this, one team will be celebrating. And the coach of one of these teams is Kyle Shanahan. I have a funny Kyle Shanahan story for you,
0: right? Is it that this could be the time where the Suns? win Super Bowls together? Is that what you're talking about?
1: No. Kyle Shanahan grew up in Denver when his dad was coaching the Denver Broncos, right? Fair enough. So he was... The Broncos are winning Super Bowls at the time, and he was a mini-celebrity just because of his dad. So in high school, if a substitute teacher would show up to his class, they'd be, like, reading down the list names, like, boring, boring, trying to produ- uh, pronounce this correctly, and then they go, Kyle Shanahan. Whoa, like, are you the Kyle Shanahan? And Kyle would go, no man, no. It's just a common name. Of course, I'm not <laughs> related to Mike Shanahan. Like, I think that's so funny. He cloud the substitute teacher every time.
0: That is nice. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like it's good. That. Oh, you know I, what I was talking about though, because to your point there, Mike Shanahan and Ed McCaffrey won a oh, Super Bowl yes, together. Yes, yes, they won a Super Bowl together. Now we got Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey trying to win a Super Bowl together. In the next 48 hours, we will know.
1: Yeah, I'm not too worried about the Suns. I mean, I think they'll do all right. The Phoenix Suns?
0: (laughs) Kevin Durant, what? All right. Everybody, please, right now, drop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. Go rate and review the podcast. Thank you. Share this with a friend. Be like Mike, Sally. Listen. Thank you very much. And hit us up with that listener mail. SkippyDougals at gmail.com. We love your comments. We love your questions.
1: Uh yeah, hold on. There's one other PSA we should do. Ooh. Uh the show is is considering taking a trip to the Berkshire Annual Meeting. Ooh. And we know there's at least one listener there, but if there's interest in saying hello, if if you have a trip planned, hit the listener mailbox with that. That may tilt the scales in your our favor of making the trip. So do we take this
0: show on the road? It could be our first live show.
1: So many possibilities, Diggles. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so many
0: possibilities. So many possibilities. Kind of scary
1: to think about.
0: <laughs> so many possibilities. All right, go for it. All right. Market bottoms. How do you find a market bottom? When is the the symbol of pessimism so pessimistic? Now I am obviously not talking about the US stock market right now.
1: Hold on. Just so I'm clear. Isn't it when the Charmin comes out?
0: Like the toilet paper? Yeah. So that's how you find the bottom <laughs> oh my gosh what <laughs> what <wah. laughs> <laughs> oh who are you talking about you're talking about china i'm talking about china although i will today i'm calling the bottom of the u.s stock market today um oh, is calling the bottom of the u.s stock market idiotic call and i'd be willing <laughs> to
1: make a significant wager it
0: that. would be the bottom before we even get into china i did see the boldest stock market crash prediction this week Somebody said on February 14th, stocks will peak. That's so specific. Like we gonna know in the next week whether or not you're right or wrong. So we'll figure that one out. Now back to China. So the Chinese people are angry about the fact that their stocks are getting walloped. The economy, not in a place that they like. You were discussing how if you look at the MSCI China Index, go back to early 90s when that was started, and look to today, we're in negative territory. The economy has grown 13-fold over that time period. Stock market, not so good. And people—the the Chinese people are angry about it. And China is shutting off their means of expressing their anger. So where do they turn to? What would you do? What would Skippy do if he was angry about his stock market going down too much and had no avenues for expression? I think you, at that point you got to be
1: shopping the garage sales for deals, right?
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know what am I supposed to do. I don't know. tell you,
0: me you lost the thread. I don't know. Here's what you do. <laughs> so here's what happened. There's a CNN article about this. We'll put on the Substack on Monday, SkippyDouglas.substack.com. Here's what people are doing. They are now looking to U.S. social media accounts and specifically the U.S. Embassy social media account in Beijing to express. Their upsettedness. So what happened is the U.S. embassy on Friday made a post or some, I think maybe like a week or so ago, made a post about protecting wild giraffes in Africa. <laughs> that is the post. Giraffes, they need protection. That's all. The U.S. embassy is all about that. And what the Chinese people said is, look, all our other avenues of expressing our upsetness are, are shut off. So someone looks at this, this wild giraffe. Post and it has 160,000 comments on it, and went. What the heck is going on here? And it turns out that the Chinese people are going on there and saying things like, "And I quote, the U.S. government, please help Chinese stock investors. They're not even trying to hide like what they're after. All they want is a little bit of boost. They want a little bit of bolstration going on. That's what's happening. And as I said before, it's likely they chose the U.S. embassies. This is a Weibo page." to protest because the Chinese government's shutting off other outlets they have. And I'll I'll say one more thing, and then I want to get your reaction to this. There's this listed company. So a company that's public in on the Chinese stock market. I think it's on the Shanghai stock market called uh, Huangzhou Yitong New Materials. And this was (laughs) this was the attempt by this company to say, like, there's nothing to see here to these angry Chinese. Is a quote. Life is not only about the stock market, but also about parents, spouses, children, and friends. We recommend that investors temporarily leave the stock market, let go of their obsessions, change their mood, and welcome the new year with a relaxed and peaceful mood. Diggles, this is how you chose to start the show?
1: I'm sorry, guys. It's going to get better. (laughs) What? The Chinese are angry. This is, uh, I mean, like if we get to the real lessons here, the way you grow as quickly as China grew is you spend a lot of money on real estate and you build ghost towns and that, that supports all these other industries. And, and then it's a uh, facade based on debt. And then when the debt explodes, things come back. Like there's a lot of that going on. There's also that uh, stocks at times in panics on the positive or negative side get disconnected from their fundamentals and that's what's happening here i mean i'll i'll take this it's unfortunate there's so much censorship that you can feel like you have to go to a us embassy post to say help but going to it, if we did a survey that said with the chinese people it says like what's your biggest enemy as a country like the us would be in the top 3 like going to your your one of your enemies to claim you need help for the, the people is really would say that
0: i don't know if the people would say that okay this is what i'm saying you know how who was it? it was uh, the elder Kennedy was saying that you know that the stock market is near its peak when people, when your shoeshine person is giving you stock tips. Yeah. Yep. I'm just wondering if you know a stock market is near the bottom when you turn to Ooh. giraffe hosts. When you're going to a country that isn't your best friend,
1: let's just put it that way. Put it that way. Their government and being like, can you please help? Yeah, <laughs>
0: Things please. are over. Exactly. Yeah, it's like- kind of like we discussed how in the late 90s, Who was Apple's number one competitor? Who did they hate the most? Who would Steve Jobs be like, this person I don't even want to talk to? Bill Gates and Microsoft. When when you get
1: a $300 million loan from them. Yes.
0: Like, you know, ish,
1: be bad. And on both sides, right? Because Microsoft is not just giving money away. They have to see a slam dunk business case, I imagine. Like, I need to read a book about that specific transaction. But... If I'm in that shoes with my so-called enemy, I try not to really have any enemies, but whatever. And they come to me, I'm not just looking to give money away. It has to work for me.
0: You got to see a deal of or it's just like so cheap the margin of safety is redo Let's let's
1: continue on that thread with Chinese stocks. So, um one of the ways you might know you're not the stock market's not at the bottom but near the top in bubbly territory is if you start to get these riverboat gambler vibes. And Ooh. even value investors doodles. Even value investors see all the people printing cash and they go like, that looks pretty fun. So I'm in a particularly challenging situation. We give research recommendations on the show, not stock picks, but we've talked about Baba, the stock, for, Baba. For, since the start of the show, pretty much, right? Like yeah. going on two and a half, three years. And what happened again, two years ago, is i made pretty big bets for baba and meta uh outside of my quantitative portfolio meta went up 5x and baba went nowhere and (laughs) now Baba's like even cheaper really i'm having a really hard time not turning into a riverboat gambler being (laughs) like i know what's happening here i know how cheap it is i know it's disconnected from the fundamentals i understand it's because it's caught up in the carnage of the chinese stock market it's hard and i'm coming off making like a nice profit on meta and being like this is this is meta all over again uh the parallels are kind of there man what do you what do you use to kind of rein in that riverboat gambler mentality when you're making picks like this china (laughs) so
0: true i mean that that's all because i you know i mean i've said I agree. When I look at it, I need to not look at Alibaba's fundamentals because it is very difficult to stay away from that stock. But I've been burned enough at this point that it's scurry over there. It's scurry. Let me say it this way. I think you're exactly right. I think
1: when I decide, because my natural mentality is to find a deal and then research that deal. If I believe in that deal, then put my money where my mouth is. And then be patient effectively. Like, and if it dips more, I go, it's the the Buffett hamburger quote. Like, we like hamburgers in this family. If hamburgers go on sale at the grocery store, like we buy more hamburgers. I like cash flowing profitable cash flowing businesses with solid fundamentals that aren't going to go out of business. If they drop in value and nothing has significantly changed about their business model, I want to buy more. But this one's so cheap. And there's other cheap ones in China that I won't touch because I don't know the businesses as well that i almost can't look at it at current prices (laughs) without buying more so i i might just have to like get some blocking technology on my computer where if i type baba and the computer just shuts down
0: if you type in baba it pulls up a 200 p e stock like at random i i think you might have to as i've mentioned to you there are two stocks that i'm watching in china one of which is baba and it's so like i have to stay away from both of them because it is it's so hard to oh. It's just difficult. So, so difficult. Okay, I have a – maybe let's go back to PSA territory, a PSA from the fishbowl, because there is – I don't even know what the quality of this is, but I want to read it. There's this academic paper about professional athletes and, they're, and what, it, what it takes from a financial literacy perspective to help them out, and I want this paper, and I cannot figure out how I can get it without paying buku wuku or being, in, being some kind of professor. And if anybody has access, let me get the uh let me get the actual name of the paper so that people can help me out if they can get a PDF of this jane One sec. I mean,
1: I didn't know you were going to like plead with our listeners.
0: I'm pleading the author. I can ask the author for a copy of the paper. But it's called Financial Literacy Content Areas for Four Professional Athletes: Evidence from a Qualitative Study in the Journal of Financial Counseling and Planning. Yeah, let me ask the author already. All right? <laughs> however you get it i want a pdf (laughs) all right that's all i want is a pdf people out there if you have it send it over skippy's gonna try and get through his connections as well what this what this seemingly is about is someone had a conversation with 27 people that were like uh, professional sports agents professional athletes friends of friends someone wants to eat french fries next to an athlete and try to figure out what does it take for you to be able to take this short but lucrative career and turn it into a lifetime of prosperity and i want to know what they came up with
1: all right i'm gonna go do a slight side tangent here it's related like college sports is about to blow up um, for those who don't follow it there's like it call it the ncaa is getting sued right now more than donald trump which i think is impossible i didn't think it was and and literally there's lawsuits out the wazoo saying you have to compensate athletes. You can't get antitrust violations. It gets pretty complex, but effectively, the model is about to blow up. It's probably going to blow up in the next 18 months, if not sooner. And the Power Four conferences will likely pay their players. The The real difficult hurdles, sorry, I'm giving too much background, but I think it's relevant, is like the Division Three sports that don't make any money st- still want to be able to participate in this greater umbrella of college athletics. Yep. And there's some legal hurdles if you pay the quarterback at Alabama $2 bucks a year that the cross-country runner somewhere down the line should at least be able to make minimum wage. And if the cross-country runner somewhere on the line makes minimum wage, it makes those sports not viable. And so it yep. could end up with just a large majority of non-revenue sports getting cut. Like, there's, it's very complex. But Coach Prime at Colorado – And others, but I think Coach Prime is the loudest voice on this, is saying, guys, this is now professional sports with name image likeness, with potential revenue sharing that's coming. He wants to effectively mandate financial literacy before you even get, or like the moment you get on campus, And there's a bigger concept here that I think is so important that ties to this paper. These people that spend their entire lives singularly focused on one thing, in this case, it's sports, but there's a lot of people that spend their entire life focused on academic endeavor or some other area of interest. If you go to a place that's extremely lucrative, we almost need guardrails in place that say, before you get this massive paycheck. And I, I shouldn't say it must happen, but it's beneficial, right? Before you go get your massive paycheck in investment no, banking, I'm, in professional sports and whatever. I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to one-up that. Yeah. Just require financial literacy for everybody. Like in high school? Or elementary school. Shoot! Everybody. Seriously. I mean, this is because we're, we're in a situation we talk about all the time on this pod. How people are looking at numbers and not understanding what that number is when it comes to like our GDP, or when it comes to what growth is, or when it comes to the power of compounding. I think everyone just needs to understand how this stuff works. It'll benefit the entire nation. Agreed. But we're biased,
1: right? And like the, what's the Netflix documentary broke on all the professional athletes that made hundreds of millions of dollars or like $100 million and went bust. I mean, I think Allen Iverson's a an example there. Um, One of the guys on the Celtics did the same. But it's like, yeah, do we think... That Allen Iverson had any at any point in his life, anyone taught some basic financial concepts. Now the flip side of that, which I love and I actually want him on the show, is Floyd Mayweather. Do you know his backstory? Not not as much as you're probably about to spit out. So man, that guy is as flashy as it gets with money, as anyone I've ever seen. There's a classic picture of him sitting on like a twelve foot long table that's all stacked with hundred dollar bills, and my perception of him was always like that he had poor financial literacy cause he just seemed to spend it. And it was all about the show. He's a real estate what happened. Yeah. So what happened to him in his early days is he got linked up. I think by luck more than anything else, he tells a story with some folks that said, Hey, let's buy like some New York city real estate. And he did in Manhattan. Now I think he owns like seven skyscrapers yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, it's not great for him at the moment because his cash flows are down. That's a tough place to be. But still, like basically, he stumbled into learning to compound. And a lot of the money he's making now is not from his boxing
0: career. It's from his investments. Like That's a really cool story. It is a very cool story. I love that. He's made buku from boxing. And if you can put that money to compound for you, but I, I know, I know we're biased, but still, I think everyone should just learn financial literacy. And then, but to the point of this paper, again skippy at gmail.com please send me a pdf the point of this paper is that when you go into a to your point a highly lucrative and short-lived career you really really need to understand money because it can go out just as quickly as it comes in and the psychological studies on the
1: speed at which you make money relates to the speed at which you lose money sometimes because. You don't feel like yeah. the, if you work hard 16 hours a day for 50 years to make a few bucks, you're not going to let that money disappear yeah. easily. You're not going to gamble with it because it's like so meaningful. It's so if, much. If important. anybody has seen the movie,
0: blink check. You know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> All right. If we're talking, I wasn't sure if we were going to go there or not, but if we're talking about ways to save money, the best way might be loud budgeting loud budgeting so this is a comedian i'm trying to find the guy's name who really this is a joke guys if it's not crystal clear lucas battle was joking about the opulence that you see on social media as it relates to spending and he was saying you, you gotta flip the script on this guys right so the next time your friend goes hey i think this is a real life example he goes hey like you want to go grab a drink you go i do not want to spend Eight dollars on gas and listen to you complain about your ex boyfriend for three hours while I spend thirty dollars on beer. You know, <laughs> you just, yeah. You just lay it out. You just yell <laughs> at him. You just say no. I, I'm hurting right now. Forty five bucks is not in the budget. You want to hop on a Facetime, but no, we're not. My budget does not allow that, and I'm going to be loud about it. I think
0: it's hilarious. There was this. There was this piece that I read that was talking about how you're friends with somebody right? Like your, your college friends, you got your college buddies. And at that point, everyone's in the same place. And so when, when you're at the dorms, you're saying, oh, yeah, well, let's just, you know what, let's just get the natty ice tonight and a couple slices of pizza. And like, everyone's kind of hit in the same way. Yeah. And then as life progresses, people start going in different directions. But everyone acts as if they're not.
1: No, let's talk about this. This is important. I'm not going to name names, but like there's Amazingly, I think this plays a role in who you hang out with. Sometimes the socioeconomic aspect of it, because there's certain friends groups that are like, yeah, I'm going to Vegas. Yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, I can hop on a flight there. There's others that are like, no, man, that's not, that's not in my budget right now. And, and even when you have these transparent conversations, sometimes it just means like you fall out of favor with a certain group or another, it's kind of sad, but there's a remedy here. I'm curious for your thoughts. I mean, if you feel like that's going on, I think you can always suggest like you should have some things in your back pocket that are cheap that you know anyone can do like a hike or hitting up a park or yeah.
0: that. But to, to, um, the, to your loud budgeting point, not your point, the, the, to yeah, the yeah, loud budgeting joke, the joke point is that oftentimes these things stay quiet. And so someone might be like, oh, OK, I'll just do it. I know we're going to we're going to puerto rico on a whim this weekend i'm just gonna pay it and then they put on a credit card and maybe people don't know like you maybe the back of your head you're like oh, okay i didn't realize that they could afford this but they can they're always coming so yeah, yeah so they can and when it's not spoken that can be hurtful so i think i think that's the but to your point i do agree being mindful of that's super important but it goes unspoken so many times in both directions it ends up going unspoken where there's like the assumption that someone can can take their weekends and go to brunch every weekend or that they can go on this trip or they can whatever like it. It becomes this assumption and it's hard when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses right from college and whatnot. So loud budgeting. It is a joke. I know. I know it came up as a joke, but it, it's a but You don't have to be obnoxious about it. But that conversation, if you're close friends could be helpful. I mean, I have to be obnoxious about it, but others do not. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be obnoxious. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying it, you you, know, are. you can choose. <laughs> of course you are. Unnecessarily obnoxious is my middle name. Uh, uh, all right. Can I reach in a fishbowl or something else? I'm going to put this under like, Can, why is everything political now? Like every little exhausting. thing. Every little thing. And some stuff I'm like, why is this in politics? I don't understand. So there's this Atlantic article called The War on Woke Capitalism is Backfiring. It's by James Sarwicky. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. This is the person that wrote uh, Wisdom of Crowds. So here, here's the here's the brief deal that's going on. There is this pushback against ESG, environmental, social, and governance. And ESG was a, was a big trend. I don't know if I'm going to call it the last decade. I can't really remember when it started. But basically in the investing world, it was we're going to find organizations that are – uh, that have environmental social and governance concerns at their heart and we're investing in the good we're investing in the good that's what it's all about i think it
1: maybe came from a good place just to say like hey if i'm putting my money behind a product or an a company like i'd like for that company to have decent values but then they came out with all these really elaborate scoring systems that i mean I'm not saying this is true, but that leads Musk to talking points of like, how does Exxon Mobil score significantly higher on ESG than Tesla? You know, like, or (laughs) like the, the Tesla solar panels. And that's debatable, right? Because how the solar panels get made is not the cleanest for the environment. Like it's
0: debatable, but it just ended up being a joke, I think. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, so it's the Atlantic. So the Atlantic has a certain lean and I'm about to summarize the Atlantic and the things I'm about to say are going to be predominantly, if not solely about what I would call kind of stupid stuff that Republican leaning states are doing. I don't mean for this to be an anti-Republican thing by any means. It's just like that is that's what happens here. But this does happen on both. This kind of thing happens on both sides. To your point, let's just call it I'm going to I'm going to make broad statements. The left in the US, the more liberal side was like ESG, ESG, ESG. The right side was then like what you just said. Well, not even just the right side. Again, I'm just making broad statements. It was like, this system, it's like the scoring system, it's not even really even ESG anymore. You, anybody can become ESG. And now there are Republican leaning states that are putting legislation forth. Mind you, the Republican-leaning states are generally the anti-regulation, free market side of the equation, are putting legislation forth that is anti-ESG. So this thing that has effectively at some point been ridiculed by that same side. And I'm going to talk specifically, because this is what's mostly highlighted in this article, about the state of New Hampshire and something that they're putting forth. But apparently at least 20 states have adopted anti-ESG rules according to this, to this piece. Okay, so New Hampshire, they proposed a bill that would order any government agency investing state funds to ensure that no public money goes to investors who manage their funds, quote unquote, with any regard whatsoever based on environmental, social, and governance criteria. This is a
1: skippy policy right here. (laughs) (laughs) According
0: to this, according to the article, the bill doesn't define environmental, social, and governance so if you just take that at face value you cannot use governance as criteria for why you would or would not invest in a fund you cannot say that the ceo's paid too much you cannot say that the the board composition is something that i i, I wouldn't agree with you can't say get you know what i mean like governance
1: sounds to me like they want skippy and riverboat gambler mode Loading up on Baba and saying, "That's right." <laughs> this is, is sorry, I'm making jokes over here, but like, it's hilarious on so many fronts. It's hilarious that a side that says we want free markets is trying to ban things, whether it's books or investing methodologies. It's hilarious that they don't assign, assign, define ESG. It's exactly what you said to start this. Why does everything have to be political? Like, this is just. You guys should have better things to do de-emphasize it have a conversation with your leadership team i mean just say guys let's we think this has gone a little too far let's adjust course there's no reason to make laws around any of this nonsense it the the pushback was that the scoring systems got to be garbage well
0: don't pay attention to the scoring systems you don't have to create a law about it so like what you can't invest in tesla anymore i'm not saying they should be but i I can't i don't know if I can't take any environmental consideration into account or else it might be illegal. Uh, what what do you do with that? And the the claim is that this this makes sure that the, the people that are running and managing the state funds are only considering their fiduciary responsibility. That was already the case. Yeah. Uh, right. You don't you don't need another law that actually restricts their investment choices. This has nothing to do with investing. This only has to do with like symbolic point making come on now silly deal and again like i said at the beginning this is not against any certain side i'm just like the silliness that occurs when i'm looking yeah. just like come on people let's just make the point the point all right what you got right. next yeah i
1: wish i had something intelligent to say but i just don't it's just exhausting that everything's political and then again Diggles, you ruin the show by talking about it nice work excellent <laughs> job
0: well i gotta start by ruining the show then i gotta end but uh
1: true the our, uh, our interns super pissed at your choice of <laughs> topics today. Uh, tr- all right. So when's the last time you sent $25 million out the door to, um, some evildoers who are defrauding your company. Did that happen this week to you Diggles,
0: or it's all I do. Cause I figure they need it more than I do.
1: <laughs> I just look for the ESG companies that aren't profitable and try to send some cash <laughs> exactly, their way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. What we're referencing here is, um, Pretty elaborate scam, and I have a decent background in fraud and scam, and this one's pretty impressive. A finance worker at a multinational firm was tricked into paying $25 to fraudsters using deepfake technology. There's the first sentence of the, this article. Again, this is from CNN. In a multi-person video conference. So if I understand this correctly, not only did they get the CFO and make a deepfake of him, but they got a few other people in the finance department or the accounting department. I'm not sure exactly. So the the fraud was more complex than just saying, ooh, hop on a Zoom with the CFO. You know, we only have one fake person to make. No, they made several. And then there were some, it sounds like some nefarious emails going back and forth and, you know, your typical fraud stuff. But on top of that, when they say, listen, I know this sounds like an odd request, but let's hop on with your top talent In the organization to confirm in what seems like face-to-face conversation even though it's a video conference the dude sent the money out the door and
0: it's a mess i really want to see this video i know it probably doesn't exist i really want to see it the way the article is written i
1: almost think yeah it probably there's probably not a recording but they did some fact checking on the back to confirm it's a multi-person thing to confirm. like So yeah. maybe it's in the Zoom logs or something you could tell like who joined and when. And yeah, I really want to see the video
0: too. And you're telling me, this was in Hong Kong, I think, right? Mm-hmm. You're telling me that every video call is not recorded and sitting somewhere. In Hong Kong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but <laughs> I that doesn't mean I'm ever going to get to see it. I really want to see this because that is freaky and especially even you know us if we were to watch it now we would know that it was a scam like i want to i want to watch it from the perspective of knowing that it's a scam and still see how good it is yeah cuz the taylor swift scam thing was not very good like did you watch that video i don't taylor that swift video. was taylor swift was hawking oh sorry taylor swift did not do anything that i'm about to say <laughs> there was a deep fake of taylor swift on like an infomercial type giveaway campaign selling crypto or something it wasn't crypto it was like if you come and i'm i can't remember what it was i'm gonna make this up if you like this account one million times then we're gonna give away a thousand toasters it was like something ridiculous like that it was obviously not taylor swift
1: wait have we thought about that to promote the show
0: it's a great idea i mean but not taylor (laughs) swift sailor nift michael sailor (laughs) nift (laughs) yeah so
1: I want to see the video too, but it's interesting. I don't know the level of this employee, but maybe they're three people away from the CFO. Like, if you can, maybe ship they've never mil, had a
0: face-to-face conversation. If you can ship twenty-five mil, you have to have some authority. Depends
1: on the size of the organization, man. Some of these AR and AP departments are are sending out hundreds of millions a day, okay. and and this is what happened in. Seem to seems to have happened in fraud over the past twenty years. Is people were scamming the mom and pops that are 70 years old and it's pretty easy but you're only getting a couple thousand bucks at a time if you go to the right level of business you might your hit rate might be lower but you might take 5 million 25 million per scam like it especially at the same
0: time if you did if you did like 10 of these at the same time so that they're Oh, that's what that's they what all do, man.
1: Yeah, you you hit the blast, and you just try and get the point. It's like zero one one percent. Yeah, it's kind of scary, super scary. So here's my take: I actually think this is going to force people to get back together face to face. Oh, um, I really do, because in my line of business, in the past six months, I've sent fraud warnings about people sending voicemails as me or a, a founder or CEO. I've sent this deep fake video like it seems like every month there's some new sophisticated scam, uh, the two factor authentication hacks, like all these other things that it's just like, you're gonna have to have code words, maybe you're gonna have to have all these other security measures in
0: place, because you really can't trust a video call anymore. You know what I've gotten multiple of in this past, I think just the past seven days, but it might be the past 14. But it's that recent multiple in my personal email account, emails from like Chase, Wells Fargo, like that level of bank mm-hmm. that have said some version of, your account has been compromised, like uh, legitimate colors of the organization and like open up this PDF to see the information. Yep, I've gotten multiple of those. I haven't clicked on any of them because they're, if you know what to look for in these types of phishing scams, like it's it's fairly obvious, but if you, but they're taking advantage of emotion. So you don't look at the the stuff, mm-hmm. generally speaking. But yeah, I've gotten multiple of those. It's, uh, it's on it's on the rise. But people know I'm not leaving you a voicemail. I'm not responding <laughs> to your multi Slack thread. Like if there's multiple people on an email or a Slack thread, I'm not responding to that. Oh, if so your laziness here is just it's fraud protection? Exactly. I'm not doing anything. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> if the person trying to defraud you is doing anything, you know it's not me. There's one
1: other uh, scam I should mention that we're seeing, which is when people publicly announce new hires on LinkedIn, mm. then at, at like senior levels, scammers will identify that information, pretend to be like the CEO, and shoot them with some crazy texts shortly thereafter, like week three, week five on the job, and be like, I need you to do this urgently, go buy X on your credit card, send this over, like, because it's
0: public. So yeah, stuff's scary, man. Um, it is super Just scary. Do, do nothing it's impossible to be defrauded if you do nothing <laughs> there we go <laughs> ready right here first um, anything that's else all like... in your fishbowl no that's all I got all right y'all
1: we'll see you next week
0: appreciate you